Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, we have been seeing movies and podcasting our experience of the world. This week, we saw the Oscar-nominated film, Minari. Stay tuned to the end of the episode, where we will tell you if you should see the film, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. I am Ryan. With me is Brad. Hey. And Zach. Hello, everybody. And everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is cool when you're part of the real nerds team. Everything is awesome when you're potting your dreams. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't be hired to redo songs. Just full disclosure. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely hire Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten and, times more talented. <laughs> and you're giving yourself a lot of credit there. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, wait, me? No, oh, no, I was saying he was more talented than I was. I know, but you said only 10 times more talented. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. A billion times more talented than I am. There you go. I mean, he's <laughs> only like 500 million more times talented than me. A, a billion's <laughs> about right. <laughs> well, that's why he allows you to watch him outside of his house at night. Because so, <laughs> you're 500 million times as, uh, as good as he is. He's um, good. He doesn't need us for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan could do this show on his own. Brad, you want to go get some coffee? <laughs> Ryan has done the show on his own. I know he has. He's. Are you the only one who's done a solo episode? No, Henry did one. Uh, that's right, 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 yeah. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Just freaking, you need talent, you come see me. That's right. That's why I get you to talk about all the Jack Benny and Cary Grant movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. what's exciting about this week Hmm, is it's the season where we can go around town with Brad? Ooh, snap! Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Hey, guys, drive-ins are back. Yay! Or at least until it snows again. Um, yeah, so, the Holiday Twin drive-in actually opened last weekend, which. You haven't heard that episode either, so this must be really confusing. But Holiday Twin Drive-In is open, and they played Godzilla vs. Kong, Tom and Jerry, and The Croods. Uh, mm-hmm. They have two screens. Obviously, Kong is really long, so <laughs> they only program it for the one. Uh, and no, actually, Kong is less than two hours. Is it? Yep. Yeah, it's an hour yeah. and 54 minutes, my friend. Didn't feel like it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, Dude, I, what? I thought that movie flew by. Yeah, are you kidding, man? It was yeah, a nice you, didn't you breezy fight during it, Brad. <laughs> well, that that made it feel shorter, but when I rewatched it to find out what I missed, I was like, good God, like the first fight's not till 45 minutes in. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> like, am I wrong? Is, that, is, is that's not weird? It, I mean, Brad, no, I, I mean, we, it's we, a little weird because you know, if you think, where was the first Freddy versus Jason fight? That wasn't until like an hour into the movie. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they kind of fought like little spats until finally they did the big brawl at Cramp Crystal Lake. No, they first fought in the dream world when Freddy was pissed. Yeah, that's like I'm saying it's a little bit of a spat, but it's not the full on blown battle that they have at the end, right? Like, yeah, he's there's like, a why won't you die? I'm pretty sure that's an hour into the movie. And he does a bunch of, he does a bunch of uh, kung fu kicks and punches at him and whatnot, and then he just blasts him away with. You know, I'll know. watch Freddy versus Jason this week and i'll let you know exactly when they fight <laughs> do a timer also time for me when the jason muse knockoff shows up <laughs> what's that warner brothers probably an hbo max i could find out right now well that or you could watch the friday the 13th box set uh, you know i Screen don't Factory. think that one is on hbo max actually because it's a new line movie and they're weird about them mm, maybe that's why john waters movies haven't been on streaming <laughs> um but at least Freddy vs. Jason had like interesting things. Oh, it is on HBO Max. Look at that. There you go. So if anybody was wanting to watch Freddy vs. Jason, there is a place to go if you don't have that cool box set that everybody else has. The whole movie is an hour and 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. So, I'm going to keep talking about the sure drive-in they... while I scan through here. Um. The 88 drive-in is coming back. Um, I don't think they've even announced their lineup yet, but they said 416 is opening day. So, which My guess is there's definitely a kill five Con minutes will in. Be a part of it as well. <laughs> yeah, probably. And then whatever, probably Tom and Jerry. <laughs> It'll probably be the same lineup. But they're coming back, so get your all your drive-in gear together, your coolers and your in your concessions. Also buy concessions from them so they make a little extra money. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe they'll get creative and play Minari. I guess we uh, should also say that. Uh, I mean, I I saw that uh, Alamo is now open tonight, and they're going to start expanding their hours, and hopefully they'll open up their other two uh, locations in Denver, Westminster, Westminster, Littleton, Littleton, both, both. <laughs> I swear, as soon as it opens, the Esquire and Littleton, I'm going to like live cr- there, crawl on the floor, and kiss the ground. Be like, Hallelujah. <laughs> one of the long. ushers comes by and goes sir that d- just because covid's gone doesn't mean you get to lick the floor <laughs> sir the floor is infected <laughs> <laughs> not with covid something much worse <laughs> at least jason definitely stabbed somebody in the first five minutes so there's that well yeah but no yeah. well godzilla shows up in like the first five minutes yeah torches an entire like community like section of a city for a minute there that's and the that's- catalyst for the kickoff yeah, but I'm I'm talking about a legitimate fight between them. I'm pretty sure it's like an hour into the movie. Yeah, but it still breezes by. Oh no, Freddy versus Jason. Oh, Freddy versus Jason. No, oh, I thought you were talking about Godzilla versus Kong. No, oh, yeah. no, Godzilla and Kong does too. But I mean, yeah. Freddy versus Jason moves really fast. Oh yeah, I mean Ronnie used a good director at connoting speed. That is definitely an attribute in his in his corner. Anyway. What else yeah. goes on? <laughs> so we also talk about movie news that I totally just went straight to Brad because I was excited about, you know, theaters opening. Uh, but movie news, Blu-rays that are coming out and stuff we've been watching. 
So I'm going to go ahead and just kick it straight into movie news. It's real news. Well, this is kind of late breaking um, that uh, there's a theater chains in L.A., the Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters, um, and they will not be reopening. Amongst the assets that uh, the, the, this chain owns is the Cinerama Dome in L.A. So uh, the chain of Arclight and Pacific Theaters is owned by Decurion, and they issued a statement that um, said as, uh, as such, After shutting our doors more than a year ago, today we must share the difficult and sad news that Pacific will not be reopening its Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters locations. This was not the outcome anyone wanted, but despite a huge effort that exhausted all potential options, the company does not have any viable way forward. To all the Pacific and Arclight employees who have devoted their professional lives to making our theaters the very best places in the world to see movies, we are grateful for your service and your dedication to our customers. To our guests and members of the film industry who have made going to the movies such a magical experience over the years, our deepest thanks. It has been an honor and a pleasure to serve you. Uh, yeah. Um, they're basically, like, there's a deadline reports that the the author of this one says, behind the scenes, what I hear that's technically happening is that Decurion is handed its keys back to the landlords on all their Arclight and Pacific properties. That doesn't mean the chain is bankrupt. Rather, it is part of a thick lease negotiation. What happens in this instance is that the landlord decides which keys to keep and which ones they'd like to return to the exhibitor. No word yet that the chain is up for sale. I think it's waiting to see what leases it gets back. Many of the Arclight venues the chain doesn't own, and it's those, I'm told, where the company is really down to its leases, onto its leases. So it's, it's it, we're just, you go off the assumption for the moment that it's just gone, and then hope to God that Well, someone will pick up their, their landmark ones. Yeah, know. so like the, the Cinerama Dome, I have a, like, I mean, one of my, one of my friends, um, was pointing to the fact that AMC and Regal might want to swoop in on that at that point, but oh, they I doubt, will. I doubt Regal would be able to do it because I don't think it could afford jack shit. But AMC might have a better chance. So um, I don't think I, I think one of them will. I don't think that's even going to be an issue to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's such an iconic area, and that everyone loves that theater. That oh yeah, they also have one in Hollywood too that they said will probably be picked up and. Yeah. So, but long story short, as of now, though, the Arclight Theater, like several of the Arclight Theater locations will probably be shutting down unless any other news is indicated within the next couple of weeks. Um, the Arclight Theaters are a big movie going experience for people out in L.A. I've never been to one and I've never been to the Cinerama Dome either, but I have friends out there who love going to the Arclight, Arclight Theaters. So needless to say, there is uh, a bit of sadness within uh many branches of the film loving world. So here's hoping that something uh, optimistic will be announced within uh, the coming weeks. Uh, Let's move on to some happy news for me. I don't know if it's happy news for anybody else. Creed three will not bring back Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa, which I think that makes you happy. Yes, it does because it needs to go over to Michael B. Jordan. I love, I love Rocky. I like Sly. But it, he needs to stop. <laughs> he deserves um, to have his own it, story, isolated. Yeah, from Rocky. Exactly. That's that's what. Oh needs no, to I happen. agree. But I mean, I don't think we should be happy that 
Stallone isn't around. <laughs> he's he's there in spirit. He started this whole thing in the seventies. We all know he's he's always going to get a credit based on characters by Sylvester Stallone. He's never technically going away. Um, but uh, he he was already pointing in twenty eighteen that Creed two would be the last one. So uh, looks like that's going to be stuck stuck firm too. Now my other question though is is that I didn't realize Creed two did well enough to warrant a Creed three. So that's that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that that's the case. So, um, uh, anyway, oh, do you want some comic book news, guys? How about some yeah. comic book news? All right, the Action Comics number one just sold at a record three point two twenty five million dollars uh, at auction. That's insane. That's is I that, always is, wonder who buys those comics. Like, who's the person who buy it? That's do you, do you think Nicolas Cage still has his copy? And if he doesn't, did he just buy it back? <laughs> I know he actually. I know that he doesn't, but, um, but yeah, I wonder who buys that because I mean, nobody, not most people can't afford that. So I'm trying to look. It didn't say. Yeah, usually I, it's a private like buyer. They won't announce who bought it. Maybe it's Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> Maybe Zack Snyder. <laughs> that would be a nice little nice little justice for Justice League for him. Um, anywho, um, so you guys are a little older than me, so you'd probably have a better idea of what American Gladiators is and what it represents. Um, would oh, you, guys, yeah. would you guys want to see a 30 for 30 documentary on it from ESPN? <laughs> yeah. I used to love oh, that yeah. show when I was a kid. Well, guess what? You're going to get it from director Ben Berman, uh, who was the director of the amazing Jonathan documentary, uh, deadline, uh, reported that the contestants American- ready. Gladiators, ready! <laughs> and it says that the creator, Johnny Ferrara, will also be part of the project. So probably interviews and also maybe also collaborating on production and whatnot. So um, the only thing that American Gladiators means to me is a reference in the movie The Amazing Panda Adventure, and that's about it. So uh, I will be much like how 30 for 30 taught me what the XFL was and why it it tanked. Uh, I am uh, very curious to see what American Gladiators uh, represents in that grand scheme. Brad, did you things. used to watch American Gladiators? I did. Was it like laser zap? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every time I watch uh, dodgeball, the his team always reminded me of him. Oh yeah, laser, laser. <laughs> it's funny, like watching it. I was, I was like this show that was on for a long time, but literally when I was watching it is when it was like invented. So, yeah. I always wanted to go on it. I know there's an NES game I used to have that was based on it. After watching like all the Nickelodeon like uh, game shows, like that and American Gladiators are just like, yeah. You know, I wish this that was like a thing you could just do without having to like be on the show. You know? Yeah. I guess Ninja Warriors that, but um, yeah, it it would be cool. Like if over the summer, you know, downtown Denver had like, you know a double dare course or American gladiators course that you could, that would be sweet, you know, just go on a Saturday and show up and it's, you know, it's not televised, but you know, you get to play it. Does legends yeah. of the hidden temple fall into this category of competition show, like in the style of this, or is that a little too stretching it? It is, but it's like, cause I remember that. <laughs> no, I literally watched it this week. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it is the, like, it's the same thing, but it's, it's so much more theatrical, I guess. Okay, gotcha. Like it has a story attached to it, 
rather than just like answering questions. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, look for the American Gladiators 30 for 30 doc coming soon. Uh, got two more pieces of news. Um, there's some, uh, there's some news of a new series afoot. Uh, it's going to be called the 39 steps. It's going to be based on John Buchan's novel. Uh, it's going to star Benedict Cumberbatch. It's going to be a limited series adaptation with Mark L. Smith, the writer of The Revenant, doing the scripts and Edward Berger directing the episodes. Uh, Edward Berger working on the Patrick Melrose show from Showtime, which featured Cumberbatch. Um, the 39 Steps, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a novel from, ni- from, uh, it's a novel from 1915 that was then adapted into many different variations, whether plays, there's even a video game of it, and several movies, including one by Mr. Hitchcock. Um, and uh, I am going to allow it. So that there, that the matter's set. I'm excited to see what they do with this because more than likely they're going to actually adhere to the book and not try to run off of the Hitchcock one because the Hitchcock one kind of goes away from the, the the main story and Hitchcock does his own version of it. Um, so, but I don't know, Ryan, would you watch a limited series version with Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. Did you you was the when when we did our shamley was that the first time you saw thirty nine steps I can't remember. Uh no I've I've seen it before I. Um, oh, but I the think other it, ones you hadn't seen before. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a thing that could be updated for sure. Yeah, I think you could definitely apply certain things from today, like different things from the spy realm or international international of uh, international conflicts and whatnot. You could definitely find a way to. Uh, kick that into high gear so yeah i'm down for this means i'll have to get showtime but hey you gotta make sacrifices right and then the last piece of news that i have is a big one uh hey brad did you already kick in for the kickstarter for mystery science theater 3000 i haven't yet neither have i but here because the tier i want to donate at is at 250 dollars <laughs> yeah so that's the one i want to <laughs> that's a i mean i love msg3k but it's a bad time yeah, I'm going to. Well, he does say give what you can, so he's not like he's, at least he's not being rude. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Joel Hodgson has set up a Kickstarter for more Mystery Science Theater 3000. As everybody will recall, in 2019, uh, the end of 2019, it was reported that we would no longer be getting any new MST3K via Netflix. Uh, so Joel Hodgson has decided to take the reins and do it himself. And what's more, figure out his own distribution plan called the Gizmoplex, a virtual online theater where we can host frequent live screenings, premieres, and community events. And you can host MST3K watch parties with friends whenever you want. Um, so it's like, it's not so much you're getting more MST3Ks, you're helping Joel build his own streaming platform like Netflix or Prime, you know? He, yeah. And what, but it, I, what I think will work about it is because if fans are wanting access to not just that, but also different parts of the MST3K library, which I'm sure Joel has pull to be able to distribute in some form or fashion, um, then this is a smart move because he's not asking for the moon. Like the, the money he's asking for is not the compared to the startup for like a bigger streaming service. And also he's planning to produce more content and, I think he's playing a smart game. I'm curious to see how well it plays out though. Like I'm going to donate when my paycheck comes in because I want the physical copy of everything, but I also want to see what the Gizmoplex looks like and how it plays out. Like I might just start watching MST3K via that. So 
because I certainly don't like the idea of giving Netflix my viewership of it anymore if they're not going to give them money to do it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think this is a good thing. Um, and it and it puts the creative control in Joel's hands again in a way that like Netflix probably didn't give him a lot of interference, but now he has absolutely no restriction. So, uh, yeah, that's news, unless I missed anything big that I'm forgetting. Nope. Anything? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a slim picking week on Blu-ray to purchase, but we're going to talk about it anyway. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Did you say Slim Pickens, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Well, Slim Pickens was in a Mel Brooks movie. Not one that's being released this week. But you can get Spaceballs in 4K, and you can get through Kino Lorber. The producers from 1968, uh, they acquired the rights from Shout, I guess, and they put out a new version. I would like to pick this up because I'd want to see what's different, and also I like the artwork a lot. Um, but yeah, Spaceballs in 4K and the producers. So if you would like some Mel Brooks in HD, there is your opportunity. Uh, Kino is also putting out Dynasty 3D. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Dynasty in Super 3D, according to this poster. Uh, and The Wildlife from 1984. This uh, has Chris Penn, Eric Stoltz, and Leah Thompson. Has anybody here seen it? It's from 1984. No. No? Okay. This might be an 80s film to explore, gentlemen. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. Uh, oh, snap. Yeah. See, they're a band called Josie and the Pussycats, and they go to space. Uh, I have no idea what the plot of this is. What, what, would the, what does the plot synopsis say? Uh, this is literally all it says, Ryan. An all-girl rock band. Catchy tunes. Exotic adventures. Fabulous hair. And now in Outer Space. <laughs> Is it live action or animation? It's animation. <laughs> this I, is from love, actually, I love the Josie and Pussycat uh, movie. It's like oh, with one Rachel, of my guilty Rick, pleasure movies. With Rosario and uh, Lee Cook. And yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, let's see. House of the Cruel Do- House of Cruel Dolls from 1974. Uh, the reason, one of my most favorite lines in any movie ever is there's a boy band in it called DuJour. Mm-hmm. and their song is I Want to Be Your Backdoor Lover, which is funny on its own, right? But they supposedly die in this airplane crash, and they uh, reappear towards the end of the film, and their lead singer, I forget, is played by Jamie Kennedy. I can't remember. Maybe. Uh, or maybe it's Seth Green. Um, it's been says, a while since I've seen it, so I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, he, they crash at a Metallica concert and he says, and not a day goes by where I don't think God, I know every word to enter the Sandman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's stupid, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should give it a rewatch, Ryan. Well, you if, should. We, if we have an absolutely dead week, let's just do a retro review of it. <laughs> like, sure. absolutely. Like, I'm talking I think like, it's coming no out. Options. I think I saw it's coming out on Blu-ray. Not this week. <laughs> no, no. Like, they announced it. I can't remember if it's like a shout select or um, like Warner Arc. I can't remember where I saw it. I know it's a Paramount movie. I don't know where I saw it. I gotcha. Maybe yeah. I was dreaming. Yeah, I don't know. Ryan, I'm actually dreaming about next week's lineup because it's packed. But anyway, back to this week. I'll stick to the current. Don't worry. 
uh, Leap of Faith, the William Friedkin on the Exorcist documentary uh, is coming out to, to Blu-ray. It's a Shutter original. i am actually been wanting to see this, but I've also heard a lot of people shaking their heads at it. So <laughs> uh, I guess I'll just watch it and judge for myself. Uh, this is a movie from 1937 called History is Made at Night with Gene Arthur, Charles Boyer, Carl, Colin Clive. And June Preston, uh, Walter Ranger produced it. So that's a foreign correspondent connection for us, Ryan. But it's coming out uh, through Criterion. Uh, Gene Arthur so. is beautiful. Oh, I don't know if you know this, but she's amazing, Ryan. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's almost as if I'm in love with her. But anyway, it, it doesn't matter. She can't hear me. I think she's passed away, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, the, the story is a wealthy divorcee falls for a charming Parisian, but her insanely jealous ex-husband will do anything to get her back. And it looks like it takes place on a boat. So, Ryan, we need to see what happens when history is made at night. <laughs> uh, and then, let's see. Hercules and the Captive Women with Reg Park and Faye Spain. This is coming to you from the film Detective. Uh, and there seems to be literally nothing else. <laughs> did you? Movie... What? Uh, I thought you were done. Uh, did you mention Spaceballs 4K and Willy's Wonderland? I mentioned Spaceball 4K right at the top, Brad. Um, <laughs> and Willie's Wonderland, I did not mention. But yeah, Willie's Wonderland is now available on Blu-ray for you guys. Really didn't go on for like 20 minutes about Spaceballs 4K? And, <laughs> yeah, I mentioned it really quick. See, this here, let me go back for the joke with you, I just, I just, I just thought it would, that would have been like your big thing. But you just like, it's I, coming out, moving on. I, no, I, I mentioned two Mel Brooks movies, sir, because we have Spaceballs coming in 4K and we have a reissue of the producers this time by Kino and not by Shout. And if people want to check out Mel Brooks's first awesome motion picture, which features the wonderful performance of Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel acting in a very much an early bromance film, then yes, you need to check this movie out and go ahead and patronize Kino with your money. And Spaceballs in 4K, well, that just makes sense because it's Spaceballs, and why wouldn't you want it in 4K? Why wouldn't you want any version of it? Have, um, have you ever noticed like patronize and patronize like have the same letters, but how you say it <laughs> depends they, on the definition of it? Yeah, uh, I, I, I try to I try to be careful on how I say it for that reason. <laughs> you know what I always feel the same way about uh, Caribbean and Caribbean. Do you like, say, do you just do you say Pirates of the Caribbean or Pirates of the Caribbean? They they say Caribbean in the trailers, but I'm like yeah. it's Caribbean. <laughs> is it Caribbean or is it Caribbean? Who I knows? Have no idea. Well, <laughs> the meaning's the same, but yeah, the, I think both are acceptable. Yeah. Mm. Like I, I think I say it differently depending on how it fits into a sentence. Me too. I totally do. Like I think I say both, but yeah, it just comes out organically. Can, when I eat what it, at Buffalo Wild Wings, it's Caribbean jerk. But when I'm on the ride, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. Happen, Ryan, what happens if you sneak in Caribbean jerk wings into Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh man, just Th- then you confusing. <laughs> You'll 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 make the robot's head spin and explode from a paradox. <laughs> um, but yeah, and there's also I guess there's also a movie called North Shore from 1987. I have no idea what this is. It's got Matt Adler and uh, Nia Peoples. Um, looks like a surfing movie. I don't know. Anyway, if you want that, go get it. And that's Blu-rays. We watch things throughout the week in a segment i call what we've been watching so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching 
Brad, what'd you watch this week? Oh, so much stuff. So much stuff, guys. Like, the rest of the show is mine. I'm just going to take it over. Nice. Uh, I'm going to start with, uh, I've been watching a bunch of stuff on Henry's Film Explosion list, like Palm Springs. Finally got around to seeing that on Hulu. And yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's fun. My favorite part is just when they're, they finally accept that they're stuck in the time loop and they just start screwing with people. Yeah. So I kind of <laughs> wish the, there was more of that. Like, there's really only about, I don't know, three f- or five minutes of that because it's a montage. But um, yeah, that's definitely the most fun part of it for me. But um, yeah, it's actually like a pretty poignant movie about what it means to be alive and like needing other people, I guess. Like he can't yeah, get through uh, life alone. Yeah. I think JK Simmons is great in that movie. Oh, I was so worried at the end <laughs> that he did, like they were going to tell him how to get back. And yeah, the post credits thing was like, Oh, thank you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like that guy deserves to know. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, when he shows up, he's trying to k- kill, uh, <laughs> Andy Samberg's character. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also watched another round, which is the uh, Mads Mikkelsen and his buddies just uh, try to live their normal lives with a slight buzz. Um, and of course, you know, predictably it devolves into alcoholism. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I, on, on letterbox, my review was simply just, this is the dark gritty remake of the world's end mm. because all the characters kind of have, you know, the same personalities and attributes and what they're going through, but kind of rearranged and spread out differently in around um, another round. And obviously it's, it's realistic, you know, there's no space aliens trying to take over the world, but uh, the core characters, you know, it's a, it's a group of guys that used to party hard, you know, back in their, in their youth. And they try to, you know, they're, they, they claim they're doing this new thing because it's, it's, it's a science experiment, but it's really them trying to recapture that youth and uh, things go horribly, horribly wrong. We got Mads Mikkelsen here in the mix, right? Yeah. And he's a amazing dancer according to the finale. Oh, I believe so. I would believe that without having to see a movie, but Is I do he as good as uh, Baron Zemo though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, was Baron Zemo doing like flips off of beer carts and <laughs> jumping in the ocean? I didn't watch the Zemo cut, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a loop of him pounding his fist, right, for an hour. Yeah, something like that. I forget. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen does way more, <laughs> way more, way more choreography than that. Um, he wants to win that Oscar. <laughs> but yeah, my only knock on another round was that, like, I was like, oh, I know, <laughs> kind of know where this is headed with these guys, you know. So, um, yeah, what else? Uh, I watched the amazing Jonathan documentary, which also oh, was on Henry's list. What'd you think? Is there another one? Because obviously the movie says there's like five of them, but uh, I was I like, thi- I don't think the other ones ever got released. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting, but it's like disappointing in the fact that I'm kind of, you know, I, I used to watch those Comedy Central specials with his magic and everything. And this movie really doesn't educate you on his act at all it's really it quickly becomes because you know the filmmaker is competing against all these other documentaries popping up and questioning whether you know it's a stunt or not um it really becomes a documentary about him and that's not that interesting to me yeah that was my issue with it when we um 
did our stream team, I believe, on it because I was uh, I, I, it just felt really weird that it became his own story at a certain point. Um, but the moments with Jonathan in there and how much of a like loop is being thrown at every moment is still very compelling to watch. Um, yeah, it's not totally boring, but it's just it's just frustrating because like I want to know like what's behind like where does he get his ideas for these things and a deeper like i like the deepest explanation that you get from like the filmmaker for his thing is that you know well his mom died and he still made like it was gross though because he was like filming his dad you know i guess after the funeral just mm-hmm. making a video of it and just like that's messed up like trying yeah. to get his feelings down and so he parallels it to his obsession with amazing jonathan you know possibly dying um yeah, it just it just becomes not about Jonathan and about Ben instead, and it's just like oh, okay, well. And, the, and also they they luck out with getting that um, documentarian like Simon, I forget his last name, um, the guy who made like the Oscar docs. I'm like, was this pre-planned? Because I can see this being pre-planned. Like I can also see the Ben's film also being like a trick. You know, yeah, not, not of Jonathan's orchestration you know yeah i'm not sure i mean like it's kind of irrelevant at a certain point like i i will i i mean i'm in your camp uh, brad where i wanted more about jonathan period um because like i i the the movie didn't make me want to go check didn't like give me much about him that i wanted yeah. to know like i get that he has a drug ha- drug habit and he's prone to habitual lying but <laughs> Yeah, it's like, about it. <laughs> it's so reductive that it just seems like, oh, well, he just comes up with this stuff because he's inspired by drugs. So, yeah, it's not. It's more interesting than that. Yeah, but it's worth watching to see what you what you make of it because it's just like you know, yeah, you might take something out of it. I know Henry really liked it, so yeah, I, I've I, I I shouldn't speak for him, but I kind of felt like he just liked it because it was different. Mm. What could um, be it? Yeah, and it, it is different, but it's just like at the end, I was like, okay, well, what was the, yeah, it, it just it's so unfocused. Um, it just deviates so much, it's kind of hard to like get into it anyway. Um, I also watched so that was it for like Henry's stuff. Uh, I went to the theater and watched the Oscar shorts live action and animation. Um, and there's like in the live action, there's five films and they were all pretty powerful. Um, I think all deserving, each deserving of consideration. Um, strangely though, they were all based in law enforcement, (laughs) um, of some, uh, fashion. Uh, the, the first one was the present which I forget what countries uh, it involved, but there's this family that lives right on the border of, I think Israel and Palestine. Um, And they have to cross the border to get to like the closest area of commerce. So every day um, this guy has to like go through a security check. Right. (laughs) Um, The weird part about this movie is that, you know, we're, we know this isn't his first trip through the border. And he cops an attitude right away about it, which I'm like, this guy's, this isn't his first rodeo. He knows he probably shouldn't do that. 
and he's not really given a reason like um you know he's not like frustrated by anything else and projecting it elsewhere you know so Mm -hmm. that's the catalyst for all the bad stuff that happens next um but yeah he just wants to go it's his anniversary he wants to go into town and get a present for his wife which is a new refrigerator um and the amazing part that i didn't think about is like how does he get it back and that's kind of what the rest of the movie is and he's got his little girl with him the whole time and she's watching like just people be mean to him because you know he's from across the border and um yeah obviously there's a spat at the gate that i want to reveal too much about but it's pretty like oh gosh how is this going to resolve itself um the second one i really liked is called feeling through and um it's in new york uh there's there's this guy who's just out hanging out with his buddies and then towards the end of the night he's trying to go home or he's trying to go to a hookup with this girl and um he he you know he doesn't want to help people but then he sees this guy on the street corner with a sign um that says he's deaf and blind and uh he needs help like trying to get to a bus stop and so he begrudgingly offers to help him help him and that that little act like just in entraps him or in route uh ensnares him into helping him for the rest of the night and then the guy eventually learns how hard that life must be and he he just learns empathy from helping um i forget the character's name but you know the deaf blind guy um so that was pretty pretty cool um then two distant strangers was about a african-american gentleman who wakes up one day um, after a one night stand and then the movie thinks you're it's going on this one path and then he steps outside and he gets assaulted by a police officer and killed and he gets trapped in basically a groundhog day scenario uh, where he wakes up every day and no matter what he does he gets murdered outside the apartment when he leaves um, the only part that like was odd was the music choice there's like some Steve Winwood song that they use so why would a police officer just murder him i don't understand uh well the 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 cop is definitely racist (laughs) um and so he does it just because yeah like he's just out to get him um okay and then they like eventually the guy's like look you're gonna keep killing me so um over me just having like he accuses him of having marijuana and he obviously doesn't. Um, and you know, even so though he the guy, kills him for it, man, that's well, a really shitty cop. Well, the, he resists, obviously he's like, you know, how does it researched? And then it escalates. Um, and then eventually he's, he stops resisting and he still gets killed. Um, he's like, dude, just, you know, all I want to do is get home. So just drive me home. And you think they're coming to an understanding, but again, it's just this ploy to like screw with him. And so he finally gets back to his apartment and the cop like kills him again. Um, yeah, it's like, I get what the point they're making. And actually there was this like cool overhead shot of where his blood pool formed in the shape of Africa. But um, like, I, I get the thing of like, you know, they, they feel like every day, no matter what they do, they can't win. So but yeah, the, the police cop definitely seemed like a really cartoonish character. So if, if 
you know, it's, it's, it's what, like 10 minutes probably. So it's a, it's a really big idea to squeeze into that amount of time. It's really high concept, you know, like I said, it's like yeah. groundhog day, but doing with law enforcement and race relations. Um, but yeah, the, the Steve Winwood track was really weird. I think it's Steve Winwood. <laughs> it's not the high life song, but it's another one, but it's like, it's so eighties. I'm just like so many other better choices. I think, um, then there's white eye, which a guy finds a bike tied to a post that he thinks is his, uh, and that was stolen. And it's all one take all one continuous shot, which is amazing. Uh, it's just, um, on this corner in God, I think it was Palestine, Palestine. Yeah. Um, and the guy finds like tries to track down who stole it and it's, you know, next door at this grocery store. And then the guy comes out and eventually like his false accusation just gets the guy who bought it fairly off of whoever stole it, you know, but because the first guy called the cops on him, you know, they checked his immigration papers and deported him. So um, like unrelated, like if the, that never happened, you know, he would, still be living his undercover life and everything on the down low. So that was sad. Um, and then the letter room actually had Oscar Isaac and Alia shock had in it. Um, and Oscar Isaac is a corrections officer who gets promoted to the letter room, which is where they scan all the mail and, you know, make sure there's not contraband going through the prison and everything. Like files and cakes and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, but not cartoonish like that. Just, just yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like part of his training, they said, like, yeah, sometimes they'll bake the drugs into the paper, so definitely wear gloves. Mm. Um, yeah, and he starts like reading. Uh, one of the he's told not to read the letters, just you know, skim them for keywords. Um, but he has he there's like romantic ones, so he starts getting ensnared into almost like he's like reading erotic novels, you know? Yeah. Ew. Um, yeah. It's really kind of gross, but like they portray, he's this lonely guy who, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. lives a life that doesn't draw a ton of attention. So he starts mm-hmm. to pretty much fall in love with the girl writing the letter to this guy on death row. Um, and then finally he gets one letter that says she's going to kill herself. Uh, and then he, you know, he's like, uh, are we supposed to do anything about people outside the prison that, are in danger and so he kind of takes upon himself to resolve that and yeah it's pretty good um yeah and then the animation ones weren't quite as heavy they're really more art pieces um they actually had two extra because they're so short so like just recommendations not so much oscar ones um Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's like one from Pixar and Disney that was pretty yeah, cute. The Burrow one's really cute. Yeah, did you watch them? Uh, I've seen I've seen Burrow. I haven't. I don't think I've seen the other ones. Yeah, the a lot of 2D animation. Like, there's one really abstract one. Uh, this is the second one. The third one is just a single like pan down of this really like large, elaborate, like triangular. I'm not sure what it just looked like. The hierarchy of society. And so 
it's just thousands of thousands of like little animated things going on all at once as it's panning down. And it's like all the people at the bottom are in conflict and doing things that support all the regal stuff at the top. Um, like that was just like a visually spectacular thing to watch. Um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much time. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I watched Midnight Run with uh, Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. Heard it was really good. Uh, I did not care for it. <laughs> and maybe it's because I've seen so much, so many like buddy cop movies since then. Um, it's really just Robert De Niro is uh, like a bail bonds. Uh, well, I guess he's a bounty hunter, but he's, he used to be a cop. He's being chased by the FBI and Charles Grodin is an accountant who screwed over some mob guys. And yeah, they just have to get from New York to LA in 14 hours, which I don't think is possible. Even if in a plane. LA to New York flying. Oh, I guess. Yeah. In a plane. They, they can't yeah, use a plane. Be like, <laughs> flying is like three and a half hours, four hours. Yeah, you're right. Um, I meant by like car train. No, because it's like. Yeah, Denver to Columbus, Ohio is like 24 hours. Yeah, so when they can't do it by plane, the plan immediately dissolves. But I was like, did I miss a part where they said like he got an extension on his time? Because it seemed like a really hard out uh, when he had to be back in that 14 hours. But yeah, they take trains and cars for the rest of the way. So I was like, okay. And yeah, like, I don't know, the banter between them is not that interesting, you know? Terror to classic. Yeah. I didn't I didn't love it. Um yeah. Yeah, I thought Kodo's in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the lead FBI guy. Mm-hmm. Uh and the last thing I watched was uh animated series on streaming. Um I watched the two, 2020 Animaniacs, which is fun to see back. Um, but they only bring back the Warner Brothers dot and Picky in the Brain. So oh, also of- no good pigeons or no buttons in Mindy. Yeah, no Goodfellas, no Slappy Squirrel, um, no Read and Runt. Just although there is one episode, and it's really dark, is that there's a big game hunter who killed all those <laughs> secondary characters and has their heads horrible. hanging on the wall. <laughs> and that's not why they're back. Um, uh, oh, that's why they're not back. Oh, yeah. that's uh... uh But the big reveal is that the big game, game hunter is actually Chicken Boo. Because <laughs> he was the least popular character of them all, oh. <laughs> and uh, it's okay because the characters aren't dead. They're just they just had their heads hanging on the wall. So okay, They're still alive. I, I was, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't bring back Good Feathers because that's a reference that was very of its moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, you know, I was, I'm watching the series and. Uh, yeah, I'm like, oh man, that sucks that they didn't bring like all these other characters. But then I thought about it, I was like, a lot of these characters are like 90s, 90s references. And it has been almost 30 years. So Yeah. It's it like the good fella the good feathers one is like like the the impetus of watching it is because those all those pigeons sound like Pesci, Leota, and De Niro. <laughs> like yeah. beyond that. <laughs> and like the whole series is kind of grown up because a lot of the uh storylines are very like topical and social and political storylines mm-hmm. yeah. more so than the the original but um like it's, oh, it's still adult but still like those are 
characters from movies that you know a lot of audiences probably don't you know they're they're not constantly referenced anymore have you watched the new looney tunes cartoons on hbo max yet brad no that they run into similar territory where they're because they're on hbo max yes they're for kids but they are unapologetically pushing into adult territory and current relevance territory as the looney tunes should because that's what they were in their time yeah um which so i'm like, fine with like because yeah. i'm the audience for this like yeah i mean it's a shame they probably won't pick up a new audience to keep them going but i'm satisfied as someone who you know i'd be more satisfied if it had all the characters back because it is kind of like exhausting having just the warner brothers and picky in the brain for like 13 episodes straight yeah I do love, I do remember from the old Animaniacs, buttons, oh, buttons, <laughs> yeah, like puppy. I watched uh, some of the old show and then I was like, oh yeah, like Runt has like uh, Dustin Hoffman's voice from Rain Man, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, I don't think that reference is going to fly today, Brad. <laughs> yeah, and they do like a Les Miserables like musical uh, for one of the episodes. I was like, oh yeah, I can see why some of these characters didn't translate to the new one. Yeah. <laughs> And then I went like on a deep dive of like the history of Pinky and the Brain and how it spawned into like Warner Brothers animation towards the end of the 1990s, just spiraling out of control on like what they wanted to do with stuff. Yeah. Is Maurice LaMarche back? Yeah. Um, okay, good. All the regular and, people. Uh, yeah, and Rob um, Paulson. Yeah, Rob Paulson. Yeah. All yeah. right. Cool. Yeah, all the, all the original people are back. Like they're not, they didn't replace anyone that Wonderful. I was aware of. Um, and then yeah, I've been watching a uh, family guy um, like those episodes are all current on Hulu um, but I guess I've been out like I haven't because I usually just follow the DVD releases but I'm, I guess I'm three seasons behind <laughs> on it and that uh, the first one that came up that I uh, is the the one you were talking about where Brian marries the girl with cancer oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's the season premiere of like I think 17 uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. But yeah, there's a ton of episodes where just they, they, they're really digging in hard and like how awful Brian is as a character <laughs> uh, throughout that season. Just over and over again, he's just like does horrible, like selfish things. Um, but yeah, yeah, I binged a ton of them, so I'm not going to go a ton of detail. And then the last thing I watched was uh, Invincible on Prime, their new big superhero animated show based on the Robert Kirkman comic. Yeah. Um, and it's super gory, which is awesome. Uh, like, like eighties anime gory. Uh, but nice. it's, kind of, it's, it's still kind of like the boys where, you know, it's, the superheroes are really dangerous and flawed, um, and can't be trusted. Um, but instead of like a group of guys trying to stop the superheroes, this one follows the main, uh, character, I think is, yeah, Mark, um, He's the son of basically a Superman they call Omni-Man. And uh, he hasn't matured into his powers until, you know, 10 minutes into the show. He finally, like, snaps, I guess, and uh, just automatically obtains them. So his dad starts training him to use them. And uh, there's definitely something screwed up about his dad going on uh, that I don't want to spoil. But, uh, yeah, yeah. they're on episode it's a they're doing it weekly release so i haven't watched the whole series yet but uh up to episode five uh mark is just trying to uh fit in and 
deal with his responsibilities of going to school and, you know, dealing with his dad's expectations of being basically another Superman when there's only supposed to be one Superman guarding this earth. So it's interesting. Definitely super violent. Yeah. It's an interesting comic. You've read the comic. Yeah. I, I, I picked it up after um, there's a Marvel team up with him and Spider-Man. And so I went back and I read uh, the comics and the first one's worth a lot of money now. I should probably just sell it. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah. That's probably the the most popular this will be. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's something like going for like five, six hundred bucks now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like wondering where it's going because we know like what his dad did at this point. So I'm just like, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I won't spoil it, but. Um, it gets darker and a lot more weird and yep <laughs> I can't remember how many issues there are maybe a hundred exactly I can't remember off the top of my head it has an end point it's not ongoing no it ended oh man maybe three four years ago yeah, I feel like a hundred issues okay yeah something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head yeah I doubt they'll fit them all into this series but yeah it's just it's weird because Amazon Prime also has the boys and it kind of deals with like a similar dynamic of superheroes. So I'm just like, like the only difference is that we're following this one kid actually trying to harness his powers. Yeah. And it deals with like, you know, it's like daddy issues too. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just want to know why his dad is doing what he's doing. Like, that's the only question I have right now. Everything else is just like, okay, I've kind of seen this before. Um, yeah it 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 changes <laughs> okay yeah like the season five ends with like this one guy using invincible to dethrone some other crime boss and like take over so he can actually do good things in his place but at the same time like uh, invincible suffers because of it so yeah it's uh 144 issues and it ended in 2018 okay yeah, it's just saying, like, and just, like so shocking, <laughs> heads exploding, guts falling out. Yeah, it's um, it's it's known a lot as being because um, the artist, his name is Ryan Otley, and he's a really cool artist, and he kind of has a cartoony style to how he draws, but it's known for having like a super cartoony, violent style. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I watched. Probably the most I'll ever watch in one sitting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My turn. Sweet. Um, Yeah, I watched a couple things. Uh, I was able to pick up the Screen Factory edition of The Body Snatcher with Boris Karloff. Um, It's a Robert Wise film produced by Val Luton. Um, This this was my favorite Val Luton film when I first started getting into Val Luton in film school because I had that warner brothers dvd box set that they put out and i sold that unfortunately out of desperation along with a lot of my other stuff and um so i'm slowly building up my luton collection again and the body stature still stands as my favorite um (laughs) it's so fucking wonderful uh have you ever seen it ryan uh yeah yeah it it uh so for anybody who doesn't know the story uh boris karloff plays 
a coachman who um, acquires bodies for medical purposes uh, at a time when medical the medical profession is seeking those bodies to perform ex- to perform autopsies uh, as cadavers to find solutions to different maladies and uh, slowly but surely the murders start piling up and uh, a new young doctor becomes suspicious of the whole affair and it's it's a good chance for Karloff to really sink his teeth into something just truly malicious. Um, so not too dissimilar from the black cat. Um, I, it, it's just a wonderful piece. And actually the, I'd forgotten about the intensity of the Lugosi Karloff scene, like the big scene with them together where Lugosi's trying to uh, basically uh, like bribe blackmail him to be like, if you don't give me money, I'll tell. And it is one of those great little moments. And there's a featurette on the Blu-ray from the same histor- one of the same historians who uh, covered the uh, team-up movies on that four-pack that they put out not too long ago, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he, he gave a good breakdown as to why uh, that scene is great. But he also kind of revealed, like, I didn't realize, like, Lugosi at this point was definitely like not only on the outs, but like he was like, he took like a day to get through that one quick scene. Uh, but the, the final result is incredible. Uh, and yeah, if you haven't seen it, you got to pick it up. It's, um, it's one of many scream factory Val Lutons that are coming out. I've got Isle of the dead coming to me via Warner archive sometime this week. Um, that one I rewatched at film club not too long ago. Um, and that was a fun one that actually has uh, a lot to do with the quarantine. So it's, it's more than relevant. Uh, and then uh, I did two Ballyhoo's uh, covering two different films. One of which is the last man on earth with Vincent price. Hadn't seen it in a while and um, it still holds up pretty well for me. Um, uh, it actually, uh, it's a lot darker than I remembered it being. Um, and given the time that it was made, and the kind of role Vincent Price is asked to play, he's not specifically equipped for that role, but he's still wonderful in it. So it's almost just like it, it, it's miscast, but it's not like unwatchable miscast. Like it's definitely like he still compels you. It's just it, you probably should have gotten technically a different actor for it, um, but still a pretty solid adaptation of Matheson. Uh, and then uh and it actually has compelled me. I want to go back to the to Matheson's I Am Legend novel and read through it and dig it, dig myself into it because I haven't read it since high school. And uh, and then we did a movie called To Each His Own, um, which I did with Olivia Carmel, who's been on our show before. Um, this is a movie I'd never seen before, Ryan, but it's Olivia de Havilland's the first movie she won an Oscar for. Um, hmm. In the movie, she plays a woman who has built up a successful business that has now transitioned over into war uh, manufacturing. And she's doing fire watches with uh, this Lord um, during the war. And in the process, she and this uh, gentleman start connecting a little bit and she starts unfolding her story of how she got there and what it unfolds into basically amounts to her falling in love with a pilot having a child out of wedlock, the pilot dies. And then she has to find a way to have the baby and then keep it without becoming a town scandal. And in the process of an elaborate scheme to keep the baby 
by having it left on the doorstep of another person and then she just offers to raise it and then no scandal done it gets adopted by another person um another family the husband of which was attracted to olivia's character at one point um the intricacies of this plot are astounding and i don't want to spoil it ryan because here's the kicker i want you to watch this movie and you won't have to pay for it because technically it doesn't have a release it's available on the Internet Archive. That's the only place you can find this Oscar-winning film from 1946. It's, it's a fucking crime. Um, but, um, and it's, a, it's a clearly a rip from TCM, but um, the, uh, the, the movie is, is wonderful, Ryan. Like, I, it, I, it, that movie tore my heart apart and then built it back up within the span of two hours. Like, it is very, very incredible. Um, Olivia de Havilland's performance is wonderful there's a scene where she bargains with the family who got her child to try to get her try to get the child back and she does this weird turn uh uh by the time that she has the kid in uh, in her home and the kid helps her realize that she's not his actual mother and she just you just see her face drain in such a way that I, I was just so impressed by it. It's remarkable. Um, and this is the movie she like returned to acting for really after her fight with Jack Warner um, over the contract disputes that en- ended up breaking the seven year contract rules for actors, um, which as we all know, Cary Grant didn't subscribe to that nonsense. And so that's why he was independent. Uh and so, yeah, Ryan, I, if you could check this out, I would, because I don't know when this is coming out on an actual release. Like, there's a Blu-ray available in France or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, how, that's how ridiculous this is. Um, uh, but it also has a bunch of, like, neat character actors from the era that I identified. So, yeah. um, as far as a melodrama is concerned, this is one of the top-tier melodramas where I'm like, this, this is what a good example of what good melodrama can do and absolutely does. Like you would equate this today with a, uh, a harrowing drama today. You wouldn't even call it a melodrama, um, but there's plenty of humor in it. It's just, it, but it's very heavy subject matter. Um, and then I rewatched silence of the lambs. That's a really good movie from 1991 that I'll probably be talking about in a few weeks. Who knows? Um, and then I rewatched confessions of a Nazi spy. Uh, it's the, movie that warner brothers did that basically broke the taboo of talking about the nazis and what's more you know calling them out (laughs) um with edward g robinson playing an fbi agent who is tasked with taking down the nazi spy ring um uh uh, the uh the film still works for me but i feel like i'm really attached to the film because of the backstory uh so any elements that seems dated or cheesy, I kind of overlook because I'm kind of looking at the scope of how impactful the film was. So it's one of those few instances where I'm able to, I'm not able to separate myself from the making of the film and what makes the film important, but it is a film that I would recommend people watch uh, if they've never seen it. And you will be stunned by the script for the film because virtually every line of dialogue in the script pertains to something that happened within the last four years, almost verbatim <laughs> uh, to a, to an alarming degree. So it, it, it obviously it was that true then. And then I'm just like, wow, Jesus, like there is like so much, so much in the dialogue, like that. I wasn't even really realizing the last time I watched this, like how 
how prevalent it would end up becoming down the line. Um, uh, because I think the last time I watched it was before 2016. So, uh, and, uh, that, that I can recall. Um, but yeah, it, Ryan, I'm going to loan this to you now that I have a physical copy. Cause cool. I think, I think you should watch this film that I've blathered on about for a long time. Um, and then I watched a James Cagney, Pat O'Brien movie for the first time called boy meets girl. I have wanted to see this film for a long time because angels with dirty faces DVD had, the trailer for it on it for that Warner at uh, Warner night at the movies function that they have where they play the short film and the trailers and cartoon. Um, but I'd never gotten it. And I picked it up with that Warner archive flash sale that they did. And movie's not great. It uh, was kind of like a weird letdown after years of wanting to see this movie. Cause it's the story is James Cagney and Pat O'Brien are two crazy writers at a studio called Royal pictures who, uh, how, how does one describe this plot? They are being tasked with reviving the career of a cowboy star. Um, Ralph, oh, Dick Foran plays the cowboy star. They get into tussles with their lead producer at the studio, played by Ralph Bellamy, who actually Ralph Bellamy is my favorite performance in the movie. He's fucking great in it. Um, and in the process of trying to revive this screen career by spouting out a bunch of different stories, a waitress comes into the producer's office, faints. They discover she's pregnant. And the baby comes and they decide to make the baby the new studio, the studio's new big star that will star opposite this cowboy star and build up his profile. But the cowboy star gets jealous. And so the two writers have to devise a scheme to break up a sham marriage between the cowboy star and the baby's mother. Uh, that, that Everything happens in this movie. And yet somehow uh, it, nothing happens. Like it, it's so bizarre. Cagney and Pat O'Brien are kind of basically playing Marx Brothers, Ryan, and it's really strange. <laughs> they're they're bouncing off the walls. They're really funny, but it's just not working the way it should. Um, I don't think it's unwatchable, uh, and I don't think it's like a huge travesty. I would definitely rewatch this, but I feel like I'd be rewatching it with the impetus of watching. I kind of want to know how much cocaine was like injected into them by a needle, Ryan, because like there's like that much energy pulsating through the movie. Um, But if you watch it for anything other than Cagney and O'Brien, you need to watch it for Ralph Bellamy because out of all the actors in the film, he's the one that's doing the most interesting thing out of every one of them, Um, which seems to be the case for a lot of films he's in where like, he does stand out. Even if you have Cary Grant and Irene Dunn, you, you still Ralph Bellamy still stands out for what he does. So, and in this film, it's absolutely so because he's outshining Cagney and O'Brien, which is heartbreaking to say, because I love both of those guys. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't, if you can get it for cheap or if you want to do it on Amazon prime uh, via the rental, that's an option, but I wouldn't rush out to do it right away. Uh, and then the last thing I saw, is a movie that I think Ryan is absolutely going to love at the very least for the final act. It's a movie called murders in the zoo (laughs) and uh, it's Lionel Atwill plays the plays a man who's the head of a zoo. And he's also jealous of his wife uh, two timing behind his back. And one by one things get chaotic and it leads to an insane climax that could only happen in golden age Hollywood because there is no way that animal code would allow or animal rights activists would allow this uh, ending to be done today. And rightfully so 
to watch it on screen is kind of bonkers and insane. Um, and I missed the first five minutes, but everybody was telling me that there's a mouth sewing scene. So I'm going to go back to this movie this week and report back the full experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is pre-code, um, audacity at its finest. Uh, a woman gets fed to to alligators at one point. Uh, the, everything happens in the movie, Ryan, you'll have fun with murders in the zoo. (laughs) I like the name alone. Yeah. Actually, Ryan, actually, Brad, you might like it too, not necessarily for the plot or anything, but it's an hour long and you'll just be interested. I think you might be interested in how many of the like different animal things they were pulling off in there and just going like, wow, you could not do this today. (laughs) Uh, And being that it's only an hour and two minutes, you're not like taking up too much of your time. Um, But yeah, that's all I watched this week, guys. Uh, yeah, I only watched two things this week. I rewatched uh, the Tom Hanks, Dan Aykroyd '80s buddy cop movie Dragnet. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Like I was laughing a lot in it. I forgot how funny it was. It's probably um, the best old time radio adapted adapted movie of all time. <laughs> and I mean, actually, hats off to Aykroyd too. He does a pretty good Joe Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of dialogue that he has to spit out. And spit it out, you know, in a commanding cadence, and um, it's really well done. Um, Tom Hanks is really funny in it. It's kind of fun seeing him as a womanizer. Um, not, you know, it's not, not really, a, yeah, yeah. It's not something he really does. And if there's like secret cult, I guess called Pagan, is making L.A. more. I don't know evil i don't like, know what the right I, I thought it is. was like more fucked up and wild like aren't they giving him drugs in the movie like that's what i remember is like they're yeah and they have to wrestle drugs. a big uh like anaconda and stuff and yeah <laughs> it's pretty zany but it's still a lot of fun and you know any movie with christopher palmer playing a bad guy oh spoiler sorry um oh don't worry <laughs> i'm just kidding as soon as he comes up on screen you know he's you know the head bad guy yeah um, i remember being impressed by the fact that Dan Aykroyd isn't making fun of Jack Webb's performance. He's very oh, much no, he's, respecting it. <laughs> he's pretty much the straight guy in the movie, honestly. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's that really funny scene where he's about to get robbed and he kicks the shit out of all the the thugs. Um, <laughs> it's it's just a fun movie. Um, you know, the soundtrack's fun. You know, there's a great running joke of their car keeps on getting stolen and or um, broken and then they end up with uh, Yugo as the last police car um, it's just fun and sometimes you just need fun movies you know that's an okay thing um, I, I and the only other thing I watched is um, I was looking for something to watch with my kid and the little rascals is, is streaming and uh, from 1994 or 3 I can't remember the exact year um, but I used to love that movie and I still do. I still think it's really funny. Um, because you know, the kid actors are being fed lines and they're not very good actors, but there's something funny about kids saying adult lines, um, in kid situations, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a fun movie, but as you watch it and it's really funny and it's cute. I totally forgot that Donald Trump has a cameo in it. Ugh. And it 
and of course he's the dad of the douchey like rich kid in it and i go oh that's really you know on point for him and then there's a like uh bloopers going on through the credits and donald trump steals some like extras popcorn that's in the racing scene and then he spits it out on the dude in front of him and goes that's terrible popcorn i was like dude you just spit all over that dude anyways he probably thought it was hilarious Hey, 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 Ryan, can we, can we, can I ask a positive question that'll take away from that, uh, that yeah. bewigged idiot? Um, is it Mel Brooks in this movie? He is. He plays yeah. uh, a banker when the little rascals dress up as uh, Orthodox Jewish people. And, <laughs> oh. he, and he's like, uh, you know, yelling at him. And it's, it's really funny. He oh. plays uh, a really funny character in it. it I mean, the like, movie's really cute and it's funny. I rem- um, if I remember it correctly, it does do justice to the r gang like it's oh yeah um you know i love that they don't like girls and it's cut really funny and um you know in between the girls sleep over and the boys sleep over and they're both saying the same thing and uh it's pretty great Mm -hmm. so it's just fun to watch it's a fun movie and yeah that's all i watched (laughs) kaboom uh, this week on Real Nerds, we saw Minari. Brad, should people see Minari? Uh, I think I saw it a month ago, but from what I remember, yeah, you should see it. <laughs> you didn't rewatch it? I was too busy watching that half an hour that I talked about earlier. <laughs> uh, Zach? Uh, yeah, you should. Minari is wonderful. Uh, yeah, That's, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. I agree. Minari is one of um, my most favorite films I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, here's here's you should definitely see it. Here's the trailer for Minari. Steven, look, they're wheels. Wheels? Where are they? Where are they? What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here with us for the first time, please stand. What a beautiful family. Glad you're here. How's your daddy like that new farm? He growing things good, doing things right. Yes. 미국 애들은 할머니랑 같이 방 쓰는 거 싫어한다던데. I don't like grandma. 걔는 안 그래요. 한국애니까. Grandma smells like Korea. Yeah. What are you, Grandma smell? We are here to go home. We are going to have to think about it. We are we need to find water somewhere. If that soil ain't wet, we're going to lose the crop.
Minari follows uh, this young family that are moving from California to Arkansas to, uh, I should say, young Korean family that are moving to Arkansas from California uh, to start a farm in Arkansas growing Korean vegetables because the dad, uh, Jacob, sees it as an opportunity with all the Koreans uh, immigrating to the United States. And it follows their life. I don't know how much time it's supposed to be there, maybe six months, a year um, of them trying to fit into the community. Um, His wife's uh, mother moving in with them and, you know, the wife not on board with them moving to Arkansas. And it's just a really great film that is also really cute. Um, Really some unexpected comedy moments in it. Mm. Um, and the little boy is priceless in it. He's maybe, <laughs> um, he's just fun to watch. Yeah. There's, um, there's a very, very, uh, intriguing element to the film of tackling the, and I'm sure this has been done before. So, you know, please feel free to tell me to shut up, but to watch an experience in the eighties via a perspective that's not um, like strictly American based, like, uh, like it, it, it was a very eye opening little film where I got to kind of watch a, a, a full, like immigration saga unfold in a way that really like kicked me into high gear. Like my, 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 my eyes didn't leave the screen and I, I the grandmother is the one that stood out for me the most the kid is great by the way the kid who plays david is great um but i want to make sure I, I i apologize if i'm mispronouncing her name wrong but yoon yu jung uh who plays the grandmother is fucking incredible uh there's um did we did we mention the fact that he has the kid has a heart murmur um ryan no, no, I yeah, I just did a quick overview. Okay, yeah, yeah. the The kid has a heart murmur. David has a heart murmur, and throughout the film, the mother is very, very concerned about uh, the, the 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 condition of her son. And in it, throughout the film, David is learning to love his grandmother because he doesn't trust his grandmother. At first, his 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 reaction to it is like, "You're not a you're not a real grandmother. You don't bake cookies. You don't." And real grandmothers don't curse, and I'm just like, really, my grandmother cursed. <laughs> so it was. It, it's a really like wonderful bonding story uh, in this overall story of Stephen Yun trying to start this garden. And there's a moment where David overhears his mother and the grandmother talking about St- David's heart condition, and he doesn't know what to really do with this information other than the fact that they go to church and. He he was going like I told them that I wanted to go to heaven, but now I don't really want to go to heaven. And the grandmother is like, just like, like with all the positivity she can muster, like saying you don't have to go to heaven. And the implication is like it's nothing like it, it's it's within the, within the lines of you're not going to die young. And she yeah, grabbed- no, I mean I I think he I mean he has the line. This is the first time I cried is when he said I don't mm. want to die. Yeah, and, and she uh, she grabs and holds him tight, and and just basically says, "You do not have to go to heaven." Like, oh my god, oh my god, you will not take him. Like, 
it it really hit me like it it knocked me in the back of my chair like i was just not i was not prepared for that moment um yeah. <laughs> i also like uh, when she asks for the mountain water and he <laughs> this is in a bowl <laughs> that is that was a moment that i was just like this is in this movie all right i'm 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 down and, and, and i love the- about 20 minutes later he asks her what pee tastes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's their bo- that's their bonding moment that's when he yeah. considers her a grandmother and uh the um also the scene where like steven young's uh father character is like going to hit him and he's saying give me a stick and the grandmother's like no 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 don't don't do that you don't need to hit the boy i'm gonna i'll i'll, I'll just just i'll try to be a better grandmother going forward or whatever and the, yeah. the kid comes in with the new stick and it's just you know uh, a, a weed coming out of the ground and the grandmother goes ha, 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 good on you you won and then she just leaves the room <laughs> um, also the scenes of her watching wrestling and going like they're going to kill each other <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's a nice little uh, story of uh, uh, of an elderly person stuck into this overall family drama um, yeah and we haven't talked about Will Patton yet. Will Patton's in this movie. He plays the farmer that's helping out Stephen Young, and uh, he's quite a character. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a lot going on in this little movie. Um, I think it's my favorite of the Oscar nominations this year. I mean, it's just the Oscar nominations this year leave a lot to be desired, and I get because of the, you know, what yeah. happened. Well, you world, and I like but... promising young women, so yeah. But, um, like, I mean, I think this is, you know, way better than Nomadland and Nomadland has the, uh, you know, the momentum, mm-hmm. um, Brad, uh, you've, it's been a while since you've seen it, but, uh, what did you like about it? Um, you know, uh, just, it was like, you know, it's, it's just a slice of life that I haven't really been introduced to you before you know you don't really think about like koreans in arkansas all that much um and i didn't really notice it was like the 80s like uh, unless they reference it in the movie so like like zach said like a lot of stuff set the 80s usually references some kind of pop culture but i think other than like some reality show they were watching or talk show it, the only thing they say is Ray. they say reagan at the um i think it's the bank when he's over there at the bank or something yeah yeah, that was the yeah. tip off. I was like, oh, I didn't even just even register to me as like that's yeah. how isolated they are in that farmland is like, you know, you're not gonna see pop culture just all over the place. It's just, you know, that's how yeah. removed they are. The, it, um, it, act, it acted like an activation word for me the moment he said Reagan. I was like, Oh no, I know where this might go. <laughs> like it didn't go the way I thought it would go, but I was just like, Oh no. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was uh, interesting too where um you know, both the mom and dad, I think, had a point um, yeah. in their argument, even though I think the, the mom was a little more uh, in the wrong. Um, really? But, yeah. I, I thought the dad was because he really kind of chose his own personal agenda over staying with his family, you know? Like, I get that he feels like he needs to achieve something to feel like he matters to them, but... You know, I don't think he should have chosen but, that. You over. Know, I don't know. She also never like gave him any support the whole time they were there, and it's, I, I think true. you make the argument for both of them. Yeah, 
But also in your defense, like he didn't know what he was doing. (laughs) He kind of relied on Will Patton's character to kind of figure out what to do. Yep. And hacking into city council water, which I was like, oh, that's not going to end well. (laughs) Uh, And then the, uh, the, the 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 uh, Ryan, did you cry also with uh, this? Is just going to be an episode about Ryan and I crying. Did you cry when uh, the grandmother's walking the wrong way? Uh, yeah, and, the, and then uh, little David's running after her. Yeah. Oh God! Oh my God! Home's that way. <laughs> oh no! Oh, this movie was great. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it's a it's a remarkable film. Uh, and the director of it apparently was born in Denver before his family moved to Arkansas. So it's kind of like semi-autobiographical. And apparently he was about ready to give up filmmaking period and retire into teaching because he also teaches uh, Rwandan, young Rwandan filmmakers. And he was like, well, if I, if I have the clout to get one more movie made, I need to make it super personal. And then I think within the span of making this and whatnot, he was also attached to direct um, – the your name adaptation so he's got a nice hmm. momentum going for him i want to see more from him uh and uh yeah that little kid i guess won the critics choice award <laughs> yeah you should watch I his just, little video i yeah, posted I haven't it seen on the, twitter because it's adorable yeah i haven't seen the video I, mean, I but i saw that i'm like oh, oh i'm in for something special aren't i and i did get that uh and and what was interesting is that the movie when i saw the description of it i thought it was going to go one way in the regards of how the story could go. And it actually ended up going in a very like vastly different direction than what I was expecting. So I liked that the film was pretty much a mystery for me the entire time. Yeah. Um, it's not called a penis. It's called a ding dong. <laughs> I like the grandmother just going ding dong, <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> uh, and like, I, I, I kind of like got interactive with the film to a degree where like, I, like I rarely do this where like, I'm like kind of yelling internally going like, no, don't do that. No, no. <laughs> um or like oh no like it's just like kind of expressing out loud with them when the grandmother has a stroke <laughs> like that that is like like it's ch- not chilling what's the it, it's just it it's like crushing when you watch it like it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's just it can it's a rough moment in the film uh but yeah if people haven't watched it yet by this point i the oscars are what next week so uh yeah i don't know yeah, it, it, I think within the time though, I believe Minari is coming to Blu-ray pretty pretty soon. So you know, pick it up there or try to catch it in a theater if you can, or even Prime, whatever whatever you got to do. Like it, it's worth your time, and it doesn't drag. It doesn't drag at all. Like it's a very nice, concise movie that tells a good, intimate story very well. So, yep, everybody's really great in the film. Oh, yeah. You should see it. I've actually watched all the best pictures this year. Have I? Yeah. No, I still not the category. I still oh, haven't yeah. seen Sound of uh, Metal. Yeah, I was looking at the directing. Sorry. Oh, okay. I've watched all the all the directing nominations. I haven't seen <laughs> The Father, or Sound of Metal, or Trial of Chicago Seven. Oh, I want to see The Father because it's right up my alley. <laughs> About getting old. <laughs> and having Alzheimer's. Well, no, no, not that specific part, but <laughs> watching an older actor do a movie about getting older, like that's, that's, that's usually my bag. The oh Alzheimer's thing's just going to make me cry. You're only 29, <laughs> Zach. 
These are stories that I like, Brad. I don't know what to fucking tell you. <laughs> you said getting older. I'm like, you know, we're almost 40, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 let me let me put it this way. Pe- watching people in their 80s get older and reckon with regret and mistakes in their life is something that I enjoy, that, that appeals to me as a storyteller. Watching two people in their 40s have regrets doesn't really interest me that much. Unless you guys get wrapped up in some kind of insurance scam or something, then it might be compelling. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Can you guys both be in a Coen Brothers movie of some kind? <laughs> I have a great deal for you, Zach. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Not getting me involved. You two have to get involved with something else, and I've got to watch it unfold comically in my chair. <laughs> Look, I just find three people, and those three people find three people, and then those six people find... Yeah. You'll make tons of money off of it. Just trust me. <laughs> Holy crap. Brad's going to be a starship pilot? No. If you, if you remember, building a pyramid involved blocks, you see. <laughs> um yeah no um father looks good i don't know about sound of metal i i, I like riz ahmed so it's on amazon prime i should probably just watch it <laughs> Ooh, we could do that if we don't have anything to to watch I, I know it means kicking brad's what we've been watching is to the curb but <laughs> wait what um, if we if we needed to do it one week we could do sound of metal if it's on amazon oh yeah i have, I have amazon i could do that yeah we could do that what what were we kicking mind to the curb what because well, you already did it on a what we've been watching so between minari and that <laughs> we'd be basically asking you to re-watch or have to review a movie you watched a couple months back so i didn't watch sound of metal oh i thought you did already no no i'm i thought you were looking at the list and said you saw everything so on the directing oh okay list, gotcha. yeah all right never mind i'm still i'm old i still think directing only has five movies ah uh, gotcha or best picture best picture yeah not that old because it was 10 at one point <laughs> and then they went scale back to five another back to eight to ten depending on how their silly voting system works i don't know yeah i think i've been paying attention to the oscars since like 95 so they did the 10 when dark knight came out so after dark knight came out because it was a response to that that and wally there was like mm-hmm. a huge outcry but like why isn't wally best picture and people were like oh no i guess we gotta expand I mean, I love Wally, but Best Picture. Hmm. I could see it happening. I mean, they gave it. They gave it to Up the the year after. So, or not? They, they didn't give the award. They gave the nomination to it. So, and they never will because oh. animation is for kids. Me, except it's not. It's for all ages, and it's a legitimate art form that sometimes excels over live action. I agree. That's why I was mocking them. Okay. <laughs> Well, so, we'll figure it out next week. Will we, though? Maybe. Is it safe? Also, stay tuned because yeah, we got some explosion. <laughs> is it safe? This isn't funny. <laughs> you just want to buy some smokes. <laughs> he puts the lotion in the basket or else he gets the hose again. Dude, shut, shut up, up. man. <laughs> <laughs> is it safe? I just want some smokes. <laughs> What have we talked about, Herbert? It's safe. It's very safe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so stay tuned. We're doing, uh, I think, God, like 11 weeks away from our 500th episode. Yep. Yeah. weeks away. Comes up fast. So we'll be yeah. doing some uh, special episodes, spectacular for that. And uh, Film Social 91 is on the way. So, yep. yep. Stay tuned for that. Heck yeah. 
And then and we've got 2001 and then 2011. Yikes. Is 2011 going to be one? Because didn't you guys already do one for Film Explosion 2011? Or? That was the very first Film Explosion. But I yeah. think it'd be interesting to see if our opinions have changed. I know my have. Yep. Okay. Sweet. I will see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.